Perfect. Three, two. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We're back and we are going into the world of noir. That's right, folks. We are going to look at, you know, the dark side of life and, you know, maybe, you know, find some, you know, criminals, maybe find, you know, who done it, you know, you know, and here's looking at you, babe, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> it's going to be a ton of fun to talk all about. And we got a great crew to talk all about it. Of course, first, Nick Frazier's back with the show. Welcome, sir. Hello. And of course, Rob Levy. Hey, I'm here for a slice of the action. Oh, yeah, of course he is. And of course, couldn't do this without the main man, the man with the plan, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. You ready? Or is it a dark and stormy night where you are at? <laughs> it's always it's always dark in, in, in Noir Alley, right, guys? Um no, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm appreciative of Mike for giving us this time because I know Noir is not really his thing, but uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, we're a couple weeks late because we're not in Noir Vember. Uh, so uh, I hope you guys had a happy or maybe not so happy, <laughs> a desperately violent and tragic Noir Vember. Is that what, uh, is that what we should be going for? Um, it was a dark and frantic November. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, never really covered uh, the genre before on Earth Station One. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to do so. And it's something that it's a it, even though I've been a film fan uh, ever since I can remember, really. Uh, film noir wasn't something that I was really interested in and aware of until I'd say maybe about six, seven years ago. Um, and I do really have to thank, and I think, you know, his name is going to come up a lot here, but, um, Eddie Muller of, uh, TCM, uh, Turner Classic Movies for sort of helping me wrap my head around the genre, because it's one of those ones that it's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you guys about it and to do a podcast on it, because it's one of those things that's, it's hard to define. And yet I see it used a lot, like by people who just have no idea what it like you know for a lot of people if it's in black and white it's film noir you know like or or if it's you know if it's got any sort of like gunplay in it it's film noir if it's a detective story it's film noir etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean there are there there's a huge range that is covered under this genre and there's classic noir neo noir uh etc cetera, etc cetera, modern noir there's so there's all sorts of elements to it I'm kind of curious as to how you guys first got interested in it or became aware of it. So, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. When do you do you remember like when you started getting involved with the uh, film noir as a genre or interested in it? Like what was the film? This was there a seminal film that like really sparked your interest? Well, if you're asking for the first one, I know when I was a child and then later when in junior high school I saw uh the Maltese Falcon, um, which we can go into noir or not on that, but but the important part is it's what most people think of with noir. Uh, for me, I come round about it from the other way because I am a big fan of Chandler because mm -hmm. I'm a, as a native Angelino, I'm a sucker for anything that has to do with the history of my hometown. And no one wrote L.A. better, even today, I think, than Raymond Chandler. So that's that's sort of coming in through the back door with the Chandler things. And then, oh, and there's all these other things like double indemnity. So much of film noir is set or at least filmed in Los Angeles. Yes. And so that's kind of how that comes into. And I can't, I, 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 I had amnesia. I can't tell you really when it all washed, the, the black tide washed over me. Perhaps a bit longer than you, uh, longer ago than you, but yeah, I would say certainly the first the, the 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 starter drug was Sam Spade. Yeah, I I'm going to piggyback on that real quick just because I think uh I mean uh Maltese Falcon was probably the one that really connected with me more than any of the others. Um and uh I I I've heard through certain circles, you know, depending on your definition etc that a lot of people consider it maybe the first noir. Uh, at least in the classic era, uh, which is interesting. I, again, we can, you know, uh, there's a lot of discussion. It seems like almost any time a movie's mentioned, 
uh, it's there's a debate on whether or not it is more or not. And, and you know, some of those debates are going to be ongoing to the end of time. Uh, but I do think Maltese Falcon has a lot of the elements of it. Um, and the, uh, I do like, um, you know, uh, again, to quote, uh, Eddie Muller, who, like I said, uh, is really interesting. Like I, I, he, he, uh, really shorthandly, uh, shorthandedly defines noir as suffering with style. Right. So I think that, uh, I think Maltese Falcon definitely, uh, covers it, especially the ending of Maltese Falcon, um, where, um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's really just a slap in the face to everybody, including the audience. And I, and I just love it in a beautiful way, I think. Um, so, uh, Rob, what about you? Do you, was it, was it, was it that hands-on for you? Well, it's interesting because the Maltese Falcon we love is I think the second version of it made. It is. It is. Yeah. Third, so we'll, we'll get back to that. Yeah. I knew it was, I knew it was in there. So my way is kind of roundabout. Um, I decided one day when I was watching TV, because I'm a nerd, uh, TCM was having, uh, TCM back in the day, like up to maybe seven to 10 years ago, was doing classes. Mm. And they had oh, an wow. online class on film noir, right? So I said, oh, I'm going to take this because I've always wanted to learn more. And I realized that a lot of these movies I had already seen, but I just didn't know they were film noir. Yeah, But I, I really Great. dove into yeah. it through the, the TCM class. And they had like two months of movies. And then just, you know, when I'm in Chicago or New York or, you know, here in St. Louis, if they have classic screenings, a lot of the times your local retro theater will show a lot of noir films because they're still very popular. So I kind of came at it that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, yes, we all have TCM to thank and still thank. Uh, Eddie is still, you know, out there every side, almost every Saturday night uh, showing in Noir Alley, showing a different movie. Um, it's amazing to me that classic noir is usually defined as like starting in, in the early 40s to probably, I'd say, the mid 50s, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, depending on who you talk to, what the last classic film noir movie was, but it's usually in there. And, uh, but it's amazing, like how many movies, like we're talking like three, 400 movies are, can be sort of put under that umbrella in some mm -hmm. ways, which in and of itself is humongous. And then, you know, then the influence that those movies will have on other movies going into the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, even through today. And so there's elements of noir, I think still today in movies that uh, are released. So it's really interesting to see, to track that, I think. Um, but I've always been attracted to detective stories. I've always been attracted to, I'm um, uh, from very, very early on, uh, I was attracted to Hitchcock. And as much as I love Alfred Hitchcock movies, I've always had a difficult time categorizing any of those as noir. Um, and I still do, even though I think the definition does cover a lot of his movies during set in the late forties and, and into the fifties in some cases, which is kind of interesting to me because I really don't, I see them in Hitchcock first and not as noir, but you know, there are some a movies that are, that come up as well as underground movies, uh, movies that are made from, um, you know, uh, very, very low budgets. So if you're a noir fan and you want to like, you know, run the gambit, there's a lot of stuff to go through. And some of it's not, not that great. <laughs> like anything else though, like any other genre. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Some, yeah. Absolutely. Some of it, um, some of it for production reasons was made on the cheap. Oh, absolutely. Poverty Row Studios, right? We love yeah. Poverty Row Studios, especially mm -hmm. uh, little studios like, and you know, the, the, the sort of B teams, C teams of RKO, MGM, you know, are, are cranking these things out. And some of them are real gems. Uh, some of them real gems. And and it's thanks to TCM and and, and developing uh, my interest in film noir that have made me aware of movies that I don't know if I would have like connected with any other way. So, so let's get into it. Uh, some of our favorites uh, over the years. Um, Nick, we'll go back to you. Um, do you have a particular, like if someone I said to you, like, I want to know, like, you know, I want to know about film noir. I'm not really sure if, is there one movie that you consider a, a favorite that you would be like, you hand it, you can hand it to him and say, this is, this is my definition of film noir. I am, I am famous for never having a favorite and, <laughs> and normally, and, and normally I would say, well, you know, hard boiled detectives, 
But in this one instance, I do have a favorite. And that film is Out of the Past oh, nice. with Mitchum. It is the platonic perfect of the film noir, as far as I'm concerned. It's got all the things, almost all the things you... The only thing it could do more is what had more Los Angeles in it for me. But it's got the dark visuals. It's got the hammer it into your head, the countryside is better type thing. It's got the gangster. <laughs> it's got the private detective. It's got the fractured narrative with the wonderful, ironic voiceover narrative. It's got the femme fatale. It's got betrayal. It's got everything you need for a film noir. Yeah, it's a great choice. It's a great choice, and it's a great option. Um, Mitchum uh, is is one of the huge, like one of the big faces of noir. Like mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, if you give pick a a Mitchum film from this period in this time period, classic noir, like it's just oozing with something. Like he's got he's got something about almost more so than I'd say even Bogart, who usually is the face of noir in a lot of like pop culture ways. But Mitchum is just and that movie is great too. Uh, the uh, the the woman in that is a really great femme fatale. Jane Greer. Uh, Jane Greer, right? And Jane Greer and a tiny little role for Rhonda Fleming. Oh yes, as, yes. as the secondary femme fatale. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great pick. Um, yeah, Rob. All right, so I've got to choose between three, so I won't name all of them. Um, <laughs> we might I, get I, another round here, but I've got I, I've got backups, so yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in with just the third man um, ah, just because it's got all the uh, sort of Cold War beginning of the Cold War angst. It's amazingly shot in shadows and dark and stuff. And uh, Joseph Cotton, the other the other guy who's in every film noir movie, mm -hmm. uh, is fantastic in it. Wells is great. Um, but it's it's an example of Noir is, is very much a style. And if you watch The Third Man, uh, it's very much a style in terms of the shadow and the lighting of it. And also sort of the dialogue, too, as well. And, um, yeah. So I'll go with that it, one. It, it does have the cinema's greatest mutant, Orson Welles, um, yeah. in there, too. So <laughs> Yes. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that one is oozing with, uh, with style as well. Um, black and, and white, um, Carol Reed is just phenomenal. Yes. Uh, another one of his that I really, um, was introduced to just recently actually was odd man out Yes, with James Mason and, you know, both of those combined. I'm like, you know, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a category for sort of quote unquote English more, but yes. Oh yes, there is. <laughs> they're very much but, they're very there very definitely is. Yeah, yeah. Because uh because yeah, they're they're definitely these are yeah, those um A pictures for sure. Um and uh and 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 the one thing is also about I think the third man too is it's sort of like it seems to be more about uh more than just about a, a guy uh who's caught up in something it's almost like like just this post-war europe is caught up in something i mean mm -hmm. post-war europe becomes this whole like dark city this whole like you know dark alley um dangerous yeah. place uh, full of uh unsavory characters and I, and I like to see sort of the the gang underworld mm -hmm. leave new york or la or san francisco and go into some place that you don't expect it necessarily, which is Vienna, right? And they do this thing where Vienna, where when you think of Vienna, you're like, oh, it's like it's like Paris. It's the city that you think of just all this stuff, but it's literally in rubbles. And they filmed it in Vienna 75 years ago. Now they were filming this movie in in Vienna, and it's falling apart and it's crumbling. And I th I believe Wells used actual citizens for um, extras as well. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't well, surprise well, me. Well, 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 Wells didn't direct this movie. Right, right. No. So. But he had a very good, very good hand in how it looked. Sure. And he, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of was a control guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure he offered his opinion whether it was asked for or not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Uh, very good, very good choices. Uh, my favorite noir movie that uh, that I would give to anybody and say this is my definition of noir um, is uh, is a movie I, I I've rewatched so many times. Uh, is uh, Night in the City. Yeah. Uh, Night in the City stars another big face of noir, Richard Widmark, who I love because on the one hand he can play these evil assassins, uh, demonic uh, agents of violence. I mean, I think if, you know, they were going to make a Batman movie in the 40s, that Richard Woodmark would have been the Joker, if not like, you know, uh, it, it, you look at his, what he, he is, as, um, uh, what is it, the Panic in the City? Is that, uh, he's in that one. Panic right? in, no, he's, he's, he's Panic in the Streets, he's the good Panic guy. Panic in the Streets, right. I think, I think he's, he's, he's the, uh, He's the uniformed health agent in Panic of the Streets. Perhaps you're thinking of Kiss of Death? I am thinking of Kiss of Death. Kiss of Death is the one where he famously uh, throws Grandma down the stairs. Uh, down the stairway. Laughing hysterically. He's, yes, and he's so good at playing bad. But what I really like about Night in the City is that he's this guy who's just trying to scrape two pennies together. He want, He's thinking big. He's dreaming big. Also takes place in England. Yes. Um, because you couldn't film this uh, this ending, this movie in a, in in Hollywood. Um, I I think another thing I like about this movie is that it was it's uh it's done by some guys who were um, blacklisted, yeah. so they couldn't work in in Hollywood. So they had sort of that shadow over them. Yeah. Uh, but Richard Woodmark plays a guy who's a dreamer. You know, he he wants so desperately to be the guy, the man. And he has an opportunity to uh, control an aspect uh, to get involved with uh, professional wrestling in London. And it's I'm, I'm a big, you know, pro wrestling guy. So that fits right there, too, with me. I'm a big, you know, as you know, Rob, I'm a big anglophile. So I love things. Set, and this this feels like London underground. Uh, this is not your 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 city where this is not uh, the London where the royals are there or you know, your Buckingham Palace and all that kind of stuff. Now, this is uh, this is seedy underground where you've got all these kinds of characters and you've got a, um, a mob. And 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 the thing I also like about noir is that at least I think, you know, one of the elements that a, a, appeals to me is that you've got characters, main characters that have to struggle with doing the right thing or doing the, it's something bad because it's easier because it's lucrative because it mm -hmm. you know it's their way out of their present situation and you know the choices that they make have ramifications and consequences um at least you know until the code usually comes in at the end mm -hmm. the hollywood code and and makes things all right again and a lot of times that kind of ruins a lot of good noir stories that were done in hollywood but in this case uh, you know, he knows what he's doing is wrong, but he can't help it. And he needs he needs to get that that extra like edge in life. And he just fail, like just one thing goes wrong, just one little thing. And it just falls like a house of cards. Three. And it's so three. beautifully done um, that uh, I, I just I just enjoy watching it over and over again. Three little points in my mind spark off what you said. Mm -hmm. One. The importance of the blacklist in the shaping of film noir cannot be underestimated. Right. Two, uh, a common joke among noiristas is the co-star is always fate. It just never gets a screen credit. <laughs> yes, very good. Um, and, yes. and, and third, as a pro wrestling guy, of course, you know Mike Mazurki. Yep. One of the great rogues gallery character faces you get in noir he shows up again and again and again he shows up in one of the best um marlowe adaptations murder my sweet which of course from comes from farewell my lovely yes. where he's moose malone um and uh, yeah there's all sorts of great reoccurring faces and, and character actors that that paid the rent because of film noir absolutely i mean because a lot of these are done like I said, under the sort of the B team or the C team with studios, these people are under contract. They're contract players, so they're character actors. And sometimes these smaller movies allow uh, character actors to um, become leads 
and and so you get your real some real interesting uh movies that are done with people that you wouldn't normally see in in lead roles and the studio may not be of paying as quite as much attention to these things as they were for the a pictures so yes, that'll allow absolutely. a little bit of more freedom yes absolutely absolutely not to say that they're not there are not a noirs because there certainly are yes you know yes um i mean you know we haven't mentioned anything that billy wilder did but of course you know he's responsible for like you know two of the big we've already mentioned um uh <laughs> well we haven't mentioned sunset boulevard yet but that's one of them right and then of mm -hmm. course double indemnity which i think rob you indemnity. mentioned i mean that's like yes. those are two usually like go-to's when people are looking at noir movies as well right yeah i was gonna jump in on double indemnity because it's such a fantastic movie right it's it's what i love about it is it's kind of this weird thing that you get in some noir you don't get this in every noir film right but you've got Edward G. Robinson later in his career, right? Sort of playing against type. He's not a gangster or whatever, but he's really great in it, right? Then you've got Barbara Stanwyck, who just eats up the camera, right? And is queen of noirs. She's my queen. Pretty, pretty much the, <laughs> the prototypical femme fatale, right? And then you've got, and it, what's, what's weird about these things too, is that there's so many actors that would show up in 50s television later in film noirs, like Hugh Beaumont's in some of these, right? Yep. Um, you know, uh, Eddie Albert's in a couple, right? Or Eddie Arnold, sorry. But then this one has Fred McMurray. <laughs> Fred McMurray's work outside of television is fantastic, right? Oh yeah. But he, but Double Indemnity, he's just, he's just terrific, and um, it's seamless. <clears throat> it's also, I think, Double Indemnity more so than Maltese Falcon because Falcon's got a lot of stuff going on that people are like what, huh? Double Indemnity is just something that anybody who wants to see an old movie can pick up and run with, which is why mm -hmm. I think it remains so popular. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, and, Fred McMurray, who Billy Billy Wilder like make, makes him uh, does him uh, does uh, Fred McMurray dirty a little bit too in the apartment, which is not really noir, but it's still yeah. like one of those like yeah, you know Billy. people who are so used to him on My Three Sons or whatever. Look at those movies and like what is yeah. you know like it's just like well, he is so awful. That's that's the thing for people of our generation or younger. There are so many avuncular safe people we think of who are just awful shits in film noir. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Lloyd Bridges, Mr. Sequest. Oh my God, he's horrible. Um, especially in, in uh, Try and Catch Me, where he's like a trapped rat in a jail cell. Um, Harry, Morgan, Harry Morgan, you know, Colonel Potter, in, in he, he's, he's a trained, hardened killer in the big clock. Um, mm -hmm. He's usually got some sort of develop, developmental uh, disability, but in for the one tiny scene in Somewhere in the Night, he is a mean, angry little man. Yeah. Um, and you know, Richard Basehart, no, he's not the admiral. No, he's he in in, in yeah. somewhere in, he walked by night. He's terrible. Um, and and uh, in um, Crossfire, I swear to God, William. Uh, William Conrad is cosplaying uh, Harvey Bullock. You know, he comes but, out know, with a big belly and the big hat and he he's, guns the guy down. I think he's better in the killers, which is the first thing. Yes, he did. That, that's, that's the other, that's the other one I was going to mention. The, yeah. yeah and, when William Conrad is just fantastic in the killers, right? Yes. And, and, um, which and is also at, on my list, but yeah. And at the, not the Andrew Dickinson the, one. No, no. The, I understand. I Bert Lancaster at the bottom <laughs> at the bottom of the barrel of horrible people is none other than Ironsides and Perry Mason himself. Raymond Burr is always the villain when he shows up in in film noir. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's uh, always the quote unquote heavy. Yeah, he's the heavy. <laughs> sometimes I think sometimes I think heavy. they they coin the term heavy because of Raymond yeah. Burr yeah. in noir he is, because he is yeah he's he's a terrible person whenever he shows up. Yeah, the uh, the one that uh, for me for yeah because yeah a lot of people think of Perry Mason you know or or later on when he does when he's Ironside right he's always like on the side yeah. of good, mm -hmm. but man back then he was always bad news whenever you saw Raymond Burr, I don't I can't think of offhand of a film noir performance where he's like a good guy the only uh, thing he is a good guy in this era is Godzilla <laughs> that's true and that's not that's, a noir that's no, no, not a that's noir not, no 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 that's a that's a whole different discussion uh 
but yeah. Oh man, and there's 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 one that uh, actually should make my list too of my my favorites. Um, it's the one where uh, oh man, Elizabeth Scott and Raymond and Raymond Burr and oh, who's the lead in it? And he plays an insurance guy, kind of like a play on Double Indemnity, where he's an insurance I guy. And he I've gets seen uh, this. Yeah, he gets uh, seduced name, by Elizabeth Scott. Pitfall. Uh, I don't think it's Pitfall. That sounds. Uh, I don't know. I have to look it up. But anyway, that's the other problem with noirs. They have <laughs> they they went for lurid titles. Yes. So there are so many by night or yeah. you know yeah so yeah. Um, since we mentioned uh, a few of them, I mean, I think I don't want to spend like way too much time on it too. Um, but because it's not something you see much anymore. But I think out of this era comes the femme fatale, right? The the queen, you know. I think Barbara Stanwyck is is perfect at this, especially in uh, in in Double Indemnity, but also in other movies as well. Um, and to me, she she runs the gambit. I mean, I think she did like ten or twelve noirs a total. Um, and she, you know, I think I just watched Gambling Lady, which uh, she's great in. Um, and a lot of times it's amazing to me because she'll take the role that I think in some ways is, is maybe was written for the man, you know, and then, um, and she has like actors play around, play off of her, uh, rather than, you know, uh, the other way around, which I think is interesting, but, um, yeah, there's so many sort of other, uh, Lauren Bacall, of course, yeah. and uh, yeah, go ahead. Mention some other uh, uh, queens of noir. Ida Lupino yeah. is one of my favorites, along yes. with Anne Sheridan. Yeah, Liz, uh, Elizabeth Scott, as we said. Avonda uh, Carlo is yeah. great in a couple of these. Mm -hmm. um, man, there's Although, a ton. Jo oh, jo um, Joan Crawford made a lot of these. She did. Yeah, uh, Rita Hayworth is fantastic oh, in yes. Gilbert. Oh and, yes, um, uh, and Lady yeah. from Shanghai. And also, and then um, isn't she also in um, Touch of Evil? No, uh, no, 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 no. Someone's um, in Touch of Evil. No, no, the, that's, no uh, Touch of Evil is, is Marlena Dietrich. Uh, yeah, and, she's great in that too. Yeah. Yes, Janet Leigh's in that too. And yeah, Janet Leigh is 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 the is the female lead in Touch of Evil. I'm glad, by the way, Mike, that you mentioned uh, Sunset Boulevard. Um, Sunset Boulevard is one of two films in the noir. Uh, canon that I think is so good that it it, it transcends mere noir. If mm -hmm. you if one can say mere noir, um, uh, Sunset Boulevard is one, but you have to really understand Hollywood to get a lot of the jokes. And it is in fact a very dark comedy, or at least has a lot of laughs. And the other one with Robert Mitchum himself, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, Night of the Hunter. Yes. 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 Um, which which I love the idea that it's a noir fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I I every time I watch Night of the Hunter, I'm I'm marveled at yeah, because it's not looking uh, Charles Lawton who directed it and is not in it, but he directed it so beautifully. I can't first of all, I can't imagine that he never directed another movie because I'm just like, he's so good. Like this is so good. Well, I want more, I want more of this. And uh, and and he's not going for realism here. Um, it has a storybook quality to it, but it's so creepy. It's so good, and and of course, you know, again, Mitchum, you know, plays a role similar. You know, he does these kind of like psychotic roles like this, and in Cape Fear, but um, he can also play like just this guy caught up in stuff that you know he has no business being in. Sadly, Night of the Hunter did the one thing Hollywood can't stand, which is did didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that probably, but, you know, but it's, but it's considered a great classic to this day. Uh, mm -hmm. Deservedly. So I feel. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of these movies too, weren't really gangbusters right away. Right. But they did fantastic later. They're yeah, seen and, and enough and the of them and enough of them did well um, enough. Because, like I said, they were they were done on the cheap Poverty Rose Studios. They were done by the B team, so they're they're on you know they're part of double features. But the crowds like them. They do what they're supposed to. They get the people in there. They get the people talking, and they keep making more. So they keep churning them out because they are popular. Yeah. 
and they did really well you know when we got the when we got to the 50s and people needed stuff to show late at night and mm-hmm. we had sort of the idea of the late night movie or the drive-ins yes. a lot of these movies sort of got a second shelf life right so, so in and, in in an ironic way television both killed and saved film noir yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes it did yeah well i mean you could say that about classic horror too mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it, yeah it, it, it's a lot of stuff that happened there um but it also, as we mentioned too, gave a lot of uh, work to uh, a lot of these actors that we see in these. Um, uh, any other shout outs you want to give real quick to anything else? I mean, I know, like I said, there's so many, but um, just any I, of your I, favorites on from from Hollywood now. We're gonna we're gonna go outside I, of Hollywood in a second. I love the gimmicky stuff. I got to admit, okay. DOA, DOA, oh, yeah. one of my favorites. One of the yeah. craziest plots ever, and then Kansas City Confidential, yes, what Tarantino loved. But yeah, yeah, a DOA is a man stumbles into a police station and says, "I want to report a murder, me," and then has to tell this crazy story as to as to how he got there, and then him yeah. running wild in the streets in San Francisco. Ah, no, that's, that's... Ed, Ed O'Brien, right? Edmund O'Brien is yeah, one of Edmund the uh, faces of another, noir for sure. Another, another famous noir face and and he can flip like he can go he can play the bad he can play the good uh robert ryan's another one he can play the bad he can play the good there's so many great uh examples with him in it too um but uh movies in some movies he's both (laughs) that's true um what Edmund O'Brien, I just saw DOA and I, I love that. I loved what rewatching it again. Um, I, I just think it, it is crazy, like to follow the plot. It, I mean, it's just Edmund O'Brien just running around sweating for an hour and a half. <laughs> like, it's just, and, and it's of course, just, that's that's so one of the good. criticisms. That's one of the criticisms people sometimes have of noir is that the plot is so hard to follow, but you know, you don't. That's not necessarily the reason you should come to Noir, and frankly, you should challenge yourself. Um, and I polled some friends of mine about what do you like about Noir, and one of them says, you know, I kind of like the crazy plots. Besides, sometimes you end up with a lead doorstop instead of a jeweled bird. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think also, no matter how crazy sometimes the plots get, like if you look at, you know, we look at it, if you look at Big Sleep, nobody can make sense of that plot. Even the even the Famously. original writer can't make Famously, sense of that yes. plot. Um, but I think that, uh, I think it's just a matter of if you've got the right actors and you've mm-hmm. got the right central character who's 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 running around and who's, you know, responding to all of this, I mean, how many of us, we can all relate to things being so crazy, we cannot grasp what's going on. Yeah. And that's we're caught, really, we're caught like flies in a web. We just can't get out. That's, and we that's struggle. Really the, that's really the main thing of noir. You know, I think so. talked about a movie where one thing goes wrong. Another one, uh, Eddie Miller refers to it as Andy Hardy goes to hell. Um, it's called Quicksand, where yes. Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney embezzles $20 and I don't think it's quicksand. It just snowballs. Everything just gets worse and worse and worse yeah. from that one little action. And it, I think it's a case of, yeah, the, the th- main mood of noir is, Oh my God, the universe is out to get me. And yeah. I don't, ah, so but they also, they also use flashbacks very well too. A lot of yes. the really good ones too. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of another trademark of it. Um, I know you were talking about movies that sort of are off the radar. Um, for me, it's I, I found this through Eddie Muller, and it's fantastic. It's called Gun Crazy. It's from 1950. Yeah, it's just film. it's it's a Excellent B studio film. film. It's yeah. bonkers. Mm-hmm. It holds up well. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of frightening in today's contemporary world. Uh, um, King Brothers, then, great work. And then two uh, George Raft movies. George Raft's kind of the great tragic figure <laughs> of of film noir because he basically was actually pretty much a gangster in every way, shape and form, but he literally turned down every great movie ever made because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. he didn't want to do it. But he, he did two of these that are really great. Johnny angel and intrigue. They're both, mm-hmm. I think intrigue is 47 and the other one's 46, but um, he always sort of just played this immoral character that um, had a soft spot for the girls and your prototypical think of a film noir stereotype it's always George Raft because George Raft is like, you read the script and you do it. And he talks like, you know, 
um, he's got the whole dragnet voice thing down before before dragnet, right? And um, but he's great in all of all the B movies he did. But I would I would seek out Gun Crazy if you've never seen a film. Gun, oh, Gun Crazy is excellent. Gun Crazy, is yeah. just as yeah, I would as, too. it's as good a place to start as any. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like uh, it's like it's like it's like it's like Roger Corman made Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's like it's crazy. Um. I, the I, only difference, I, the only difference was being would be Roger Corman never paid any attention to the production code. Well, true, yeah, true that, true that. Um, all right, so let's get out of of Hollywood for a bit, um, because I know and and we're yeah, man, it's going time's going by so fast. But um, so let's talk about sort of sort of maybe international or more neo noir, you know, um, uh, elements that we like because. Um, I know some people are purists, you know, they look at the stuff that's, if it's in color, it's not noir. Um, if it's not, you know, set in America, it's not noir. You know, it's like, there's, there's all these, like, you know, everybody's got their boxes that they check, you know? And, and one thing I love about Eddie is that he's not interested in, in, in like excluding, like he's not interested in gatekeeping. He lets like all the, like, if it's got a single element of like, that's noirish. He's a, he's he loves exploring it, and I and I love that element of of his show, and it's made me sort of welcome. Um, I really love, uh, to be honest with you, I really love like sort of Japanese noir. Um, it's sort of done sort of after you know World War II into the fifties, maybe even in the sixties, but you've got all these sort of like figures that are yeah. like um, trapped in these situations or these youths that don't know any better and then get caught up with the Yakuza yeah. or the, the gang or, um, and, uh, I, I just, I can't, I eat yeah. that stuff up. I love Tokyo drifter and yes. I love cruel, uh, cruel, um, Oh God, it was a cruel gun story, which I think is yeah. 64. I yep. love that one. And then fugitive from the past, which is very influential, um, as well. So yeah, there's a bunch. I mean, there is just an angel. Drunken Angel. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. And, you know, when you start getting around to John Woo and some of these other Hong Kong films later, there are a little bit of the marks of noir sure, in that, too. Sure. There's a lot I of like, film like, noir. A lot of, like, Kurosawa's early work, yeah. like, I, I think, um, goes into that as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a High and Low, uh, which I oh. love a lot, too. Um, uh, from, from, so, a, from a great pulp novelist, Ed McBain. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, but Rob, I know that um, you have an affinity for the French as well. Well, you know, I, I, I love it all, but there's a couple French films that are important. Rafifi is amazing, mm -hmm. if you, which is 1955. If you've never seen that, that's fantastic. Uh, there is the red red circle or la... Le Cirque Rouge Le Cirque by Rouge. Melville. I love that <laughs> which film. Is, which is from 1970, so it's a little later, but it's great. But Elevator to the Gallows. I was going to say Elevator and, to the Gallows, I think it's my favorite. And, yeah. and Pepe Lamoco. Uh, is great now. Pepe Lamoco and Panique uh, are from '37 and '46, uh, so they they kind of predate a lot of the American noir. The French were kind of just starting to like look at some of this stuff. Like you look at M and some of these other films, they're starting to really um, develop some of this stuff, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. look. At, I, M's not really French, but um, yeah, it's not it's not at all French. It's it's so. The French is one element that goes yeah, in and then, the other one is and then you got Fritz Lang. Yeah, so th Lange. that's that's kind of what I was but getting I'm, to. I'm, I'm going to let you go on French because because. But I was that's kind of, I was that. kind of starting to segue into that. But like the French yeah. took it, kind of started it, then it spread into uh, sort of close to Weimar Germany really well, and then World War II just kind of stunted that in in Europe, but in America it was still going. Mm -hmm. And that is, and and we sort of perfected it. We took a lot of the tropes oh. and stuff they did in Panique and Pepe Lamoco and and changed around. But you could argue too that we had gangster films in the 30s oh, yeah. that were oh, the yeah. precursors of noir. So it's it's yeah, kind of that's... like the French took the gangster films of the 30s, yeah. right? Like the Roaring that's... 20s and stuff, and they just kind of put their own spin on it. And that's, that's one that's... of the origins of noir. I think that's they were definitely that's definitely one of the 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 things that evolved into noir. Definitely. They were doing, I thought they were doing some really interesting things and then they sort of got caught in new wave and, and yeah. then sort of took it to other places, which to oh. be honest with you, I'm not a big new wave fan. So um, French new wave guy. So like, you know, people can have their Godards and their Truffauts and their, you know, whatever, but, uh, uh, but there's the roots of what they were inspired by 
you can see even in like something like breathless well yeah. the, the way the way i look at, at this evolution is that some of this started in france with poetic realism some of it a lot of it started with german expressionism yeah. but most of the people especially like fritz long and siodmak and dimitrik they had to leave because you know nazis yeah um and they came to america and they fed themselves making these things that also came through the uh another uh, flow was the hard-boiled school literature the pulps and so they made good you know hard-working gritty films like that and then these all got piled up in a one big package that went to france after um because they hadn't been to see them because well you know nazis uh and and then they came up with this term film noir because of course no one in hollywood was making film noir that's right. that touches on something that that no style of film creates more ridiculous arguments about what is and what isn't than film noir yeah and at the time they were making either crime thrillers or murder dramas um and the and word melodrama really... got thrown around a lot because melodrama didn't mean the same thing then that it quite means today and yeah. they didn't really think of it as film noir then either. No, they didn't not say, at all. No, I'm not making a film noir. It was like I'm no, making a gangster this, film, or yeah, this the crime film, crime thriller. Um, this I, was this was uh, something that that a bunch of French theorists who later became directors came up with, and we didn't really hear about it in this country in an usual parlance until about 1972, yeah, when right. other smarty pants film people wrote about it in English. Yeah, and I don't even think it became like you know. I mean, I think. I think it took like someone like Eddie, really Eddie Muller and his book, Dark City, to really flesh out like, hey, a lot of this stuff that was done then has these elements in common. Um, take a look at it, because I think it like from an academics point of view and from a just a film cinema point of view, take a look at these things and what was going on. It's really interesting. Um, and so. We're getting close to having to wrap up, but I, I do, I am kind of curious because as I pointed out, a lot of this stuff I think is still influential today. I still think, I still see elements of today. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump way ahead here and I'm kind of curious as to what your, what, what your most recent experience, like a most recent movie experience was seeing something and you said, oh, that, that's noir. I think I like that. I mean, they're they're using noir elements today in this movie. Uh, Nick, what do you what do you think? I have an absolutely perfect example of that that got kicked in the jazz apples by the pandemic, and that's the film *Reminiscence* with Hugh Jackman and uh, yeah. uh, Tandaway Newton and um, interesting the latest uh, Lady Jessica. I'm trying to remember her name. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Is that the one that's by um, uh, uh, Lisa? That's Joy? the one. That's the one that's yeah, yeah. The makers okay. of Westworld. Um, yes. Christopher Christopher Nolan's little brother wrote the thing. His sister-in-law okay. is the director. It is deeply steeped in noir. It's got the fractured narrative. It's got the voiceover. It's got the women that woman that came in out of the sun. It's it's all about memory. It takes a lot from a now almost forgotten little 90s film, uh, which is Strange Days, which is much mm -hmm. grittier than this. But it's yeah. set in a partially drowned Miami. A friend of mine said it's got great world building. Um, it's sometime when the climate crisis has exacerbated things more, but it is deeply steeped in the war. And I think it was very unfairly treated yeah. by the critics and the box office. Wow, I, I need to go. People, yeah, I would it's on my list, but I haven't. Find. I haven't. Yeah, I didn't hear good things about it, so I kind of put it on the back of my list. But I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I would, I would suggest you reconsider that. Excellent. I, uh, uh, the, the the bad opinion of it. I, I would urge people to go find this film. Rob, what about you? So, the the first thing that comes to my mind is, of course, and it's older, is L.A. Confidential, which is probably mm. the most easy accessible thing. I just got um, the Criterion Blu-ray for Miller's Crossing, oh, wow. and just just a fantastic example of that. Um, if you're looking for traces of it outside of like the hard-boiled movie, uh, there's a little film called Blade Runner and another little film <laughs> called Brazil that yes. have elements of film noir in it too. They do. So, so just I just wanted to put that out there because we're running short on time. Yeah, I, I do. 
I do want to mention the number of major filmmakers that started out making noirs. The Wachowskis, yeah. one the best lesbian noir ever made, Bond, Bound. Um, the Coen Brothers, Blood, Blood Simple. Simple, and then Miller's Crossing. Crossing. Um, Ryan Johnson, Brick. I mean, that is mm -hmm. a hard-boiled yeah. detective story, if ever there was one. Um, he... A little guy named Christopher Nolan. Yeah, made Memento. Two noirs, Memento, which is just a brain crusher, and then before that, he'd made something else, which is very noir as well. Um, would, that was a, that was a small, almost a student film that you got to yeah. go find. But yeah. yes, some of the biggest directors today started out making noir films. Mm -hmm. Chinatown's Chinatown. another one. Chinatown's, Chinatown's yeah, excellent. Whew, yeah, excellent one. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, we couldn't come out of this without mentioning that. Thanks, Rob, because otherwise we wouldn't have this. Would have no credit, <laughs> no credibility for this whole hour. So, um, and I'm just going to finish it off with um, my most recent uh, experience watching a noir movie. A recent noir movie was um, uh, last year. Um, actually, um, uh, actually, it's a 2022 movie. It's a Korean movie called Decision to Leave. It's by Park Chan-woo, who uh, is a, a great filmmaker. He's made, uh, I don't know if you ever guys saw Old Boy. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah. I, I'm still, I still, they, they just restored that one. So I, I haven't yeah. seen that one, uh, but I want that, to. That, that uh, he also made a, a, another one. movie called, like a horror movie, vampire movie called Thirst, which I like a lot. Okay. But uh, this decision to leave is is really excellent about a detective who's investigating a, 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 a death that leads him to uh, um, uh, his 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 murder his widowed wife, and then there's sort of you know like feelings there, and you know you've got all the tension, and you've got the mystery, mm -hmm. and you've got the atmosphere. I mean this this movie just, I mean just breathes like oppression and and uh it's really really amazing movie i it was i think it was very overlooked last year so so i definitely um and it's like i said we're still seeing elements of that today so um i i i, I can't believe it's already come to an end but um yeah we're we're we're, we're gonna close off our main discussion of film noir but we've got a lot of ideas if you guys out there want us to talk about anything particular or uh have one suggestions for movies that you should watch uh for noir uh feel free to reach out to any one of us because uh yeah we love talking about this stuff and i hope we get a chance to do more uh rob oh you're muted <laughs> Also, if you really want to delve into this and just sort of want a one-stop shop, the uh, Film Noir Foundation. Yes. yes. And they shop. also have a weekly or a monthly newsletter. You can get that for free without joining the foundation. Yeah. But it tells you what film noirs are on the air. So oh, yeah. this helps people yeah. like me that are obsessive make notes yep. of films we have to see. Yep. And, and, and um, schedule that I'll DVR. Add, I'll, I'll add to that shout out to Eddie Muller of the Film Foundation, uh, Film Noir Foundation. They restore lots of great stuff from overseas, including he found yeah. a trove of Argentinian stuff. This is the T-shirt that I'm wearing. is from the Noir City Road Show that he brought in from San Francisco to Seattle. I think it's only going as far as east as Texas, but yeah, Chicago. he's a news he's a he's a newspaper man and the son of a newspaper man, so he actually has to write in a way people would want to read. Um, and he's clear and he knows his stuff. And you could do much worse than starting out with any more if you want to take a journey down the dark alley of film noir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be right back and we're going to close out the show. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to close out the show right after this. And I'm back. Hello uh, folks. The ghost of hey, my podcast past. <laughs> this is our special time for our YouTube folks. This is what we usually spend time talking. Bonus. And Bonus time, as we like to say. So for somebody who wants to introduce somebody to Noir, what would you guys recommend? I would recommend the um, two things. I would recommend getting a copy of Dark City by Eddie Muller, which has just been reissued, or also the Film Noir Encyclopedia by Harry Abrams, um, which I have. And it's got it's literally lists a ton of films 
that are film noir gives a description of them and just all kinds of fun facts about them it literally is like the greatest like just i want to read for 10 minutes book you can make notes and write down films that's the way to go and you know just start start with the classics man start with you know maltese falcon and maybe dive into if you want to take baby steps in you know casablanca then maltese falcon sure, um, sure. but then you know doug Casablanca is not noir it's not, but it's noir adjacent. It's noir adjacent, right? Because it's got yeah. a lot of the actors in it that you'll see. And yes. it's it's kind of been a great gateway for a lot of people I know that like film noir. That's kind of their, their gateway to it, right? I sure, sure. Um, but um, yeah, Maltese Falcon, Double Indemnity, The Third Man. Um, you know, there's stuff like Shockproof that's out there, DOA, you know. If you go to, uh, if you have... A streaming service there is a film noir app that you can download and it shows a ton of the b film uh stuff just look up film noir i can't remember the station of it but they show like the sniper and you know um blah 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 on the run everybody's on the run right mm -hmm. um so that that's another good place too is just go go to your app that you stream with and look up film sure. noir and there's one you can pull up yeah, here's another start. question with that though you know what about tv or books for folks has there ever been well, a really good tv show um i mean max yes. headroom max headroom is yeah uh, max that, headroom that, is very neo-noirish yes yes it it would be hard to find i don't know if hbo dumped it but hbo did a series of philip marlowe stories with powers booth back in the 80s when they were trying to uh um get content for themselves mm-hmm what about like the new Perry Mason and such? I was going to say the new Perry Mason series is very noirish. Um, yeah, I, I, it, yeah, it's it's got noir elements to it to be sure. Uh, from a neo noir perspective, I think that uh, Michael Mann series that uh, he did on HBO uh, Tokyo Vice had a lot of elements of noir to it as well, especially the the Japanese noir I was talking about. Um, uh, but uh, also for people who are you know not want, wanting to like sort of get in but not like too deep right away um eddie came out with a book just this past year called noir bar so mm -hmm. and if you if you're a mixologist and you like your drinks uh he has uh he has got those uh a sort of every he's got a list of like i don't know maybe 20 25 30 uh classic noirs and he's got drinks that he's uh sort of associates with each one of those some of them are in the movies themselves some of the ones um he's a mixologist so some of the ones he he has created and crafted that were inspired by these movies um but the book production is really like it's gorgeous beautiful photos of the the films themselves as well as the promotion films like the of the films the posters and everything movie posters that's a whole other like the movie oh, posters yeah. for film um, noir, yeah, just art yeah. form, art oh, yeah. form. Yes, um, absolutely. I, um, I very. I, I will. Go ahead, Nick. I will second uh, reading stuff by Eddie Muller, Dark City, The Lost World of Film Noir. But if you want to reach the outer limits of film noir on television, Fargo. Mm, oh, very much yeah. so. Yeah, I could see that. I could see I, that. I could see it, especially in that new, the new newest season, very yes, much so. Yes, yes. Nick, I think you also mentioned to me that uh, you were able to find a lot of noir movies on YouTube. Yes, I was yes. going to mention that. Um, I don't know how much uh, we wish to bring the evil of the copyright gods down on us, but a lot of these film <laughs> noirs ended up being in public domain. I was like going to say, yeah. or Kansas City Confidential, and you won't be able to find Double Indemnity or Sunset Boulevard on YouTube. But you'd be surprised how much you could find. I could find where the sidewalk ends. I could find Call Northside 777. Um, I could find a couple of Ann Sheridan's old movies. Um, I'm surprised by how much is on YouTube as a full movie. So just, you know, just start there. It's not going to cost you anything if you're on YouTube yeah. for free. This isn't even the YouTube rental thing, mind you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's pretty awesome news and everything. Do you see there still being a big market for future projects? I, I, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think we're, I mean, I think the, the whole uh, thriller aspect of, of noir is, uh, is going to always be popular in the movies. But I also think 
I think, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that I got involved or really interested in noir over the last like half decade or decade or whatever, because I think, you know, the way things are are happening in the world, I think it's it's very like it's very uh, easy to be caught up and feel like you're you're caught up in something that you don't understand, mm-hmm. that that you're stuck in a place that you desperately want to get out of. And you'll do just about anything. Uh, there's forces out there that um, are are very seductive, that that you know, will lead you into some down. I mean, uh, these are elements that are that e- exist all too frequently in the world today, and I think are things that anybody can identify with. And uh, I'm surprised we don't see more stories like this right now. To be honest with you, yeah, that's really awesome that you can still see that kind of stuff. Because well, I know here, here on the, yeah, <laughs> but, but here on the network and such, we also have Ron Fortier doing all his book reviews each week, yeah. and he does a lot of crime thrillers, and he also does, yeah. you know, pul- a lot of pulp. But, pulp you know, is about as hard to define and put a definition on as noir. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but but I would I would I would add to that that noir is one of the most searched and valued. Uh, content terms that people yeah. both use and publish so yeah it's no. it's 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 a going concern let's put it that way mm-hmm. it's funny none of none of you guys brought up star trek the next generation with the holodeck episodes <laughs> yeah well yeah no no i actually this actually did come up with some friends of mine when we were talking because one of the things that came up was the the similarities between cyberpunk and, and future noir and that sort of thing. And I said, so what does it mean that Jean-Luc Picard's favorite fictional character is a Dashiell Hammett, uh, Hammett pastiche? And we all went, whoa, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, so, it's a, interesting. Um, and and sort of, you know, on the, on the Doctor Who side, we've got Melody Malone. So, uh, you know, we, we've got like, you know, the two biggest sci-fi franchises of all still have you know, little, little touches of, of noir in them. Yes. Yep. Exactly. It's pretty awesome. And if you haven't had a chance, folks, in one of the diaries of River Song, they did a Melanie Malone adventure. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. there was a book also. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as being a, a, a River Song and an Alex Kingston fan, she's in a really good um, sort of neo-noir uh, that was filmed a, a little while ago with um, uh, uh, just starting off her career called um, Oh Help Me Out Here. Uh, the, is it are the you, closer? Are you talking about? Are you, to, are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, the croupier? Yes, the croupier. Yes, yes thank yes, you. Yes, with Clive yes, Owen. Yes. yes, with Clive yes. Owen. Clive Owen. Yes. Clive Owen. And 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 yes, she she appears in the All Together, and let me tell you, she has nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> That's true. It's true. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the other thing about, you know, neo-noir is that uh, a lot of the things that the Hays Code was uh, restricting back in the classic era, uh, you know, whether it's sex and, and or violence. Yeah, uh, or both. They, yeah. They, they are, uh, they are in full force, like in neo-noir. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a little bit to excess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And probably the most excessive examples of both can be found with Frank Miller's Sin City. Oh, yeah, very that's much very so. Very much true. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right, let's wrap up the episode. Thank you for that information, guys. We mm-hmm. do appreciate you guys. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us, Mister Nick. Always great to see you, sir. Thank you, sir. It's always great to see you. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Um. I, I I will just give another uh, kick in the pants to reminiscence. If you like what we've said about uh, film noir and want to see some future film noir, I believe it's on whatever the WB HBO thing is mutated into. If you if you are a subscriber to that, that's awesome. That is awesome. Definitely check it out. And Rob, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I should also. Um send some crosstown traffic uh, to our listeners to Modern Musicology, which I host with uh, several other folks here on the network. You can check that out as well. And uh, also uh, I have a radio show on Louder Than War Radio called Antics. It's every Monday 
Um, it's streaming out of Manchester, England. And uh, you can hear it from 12 to 2 Central Time, 1 to 3 Eastern, or 6 to 8 Greenwich Time. So check that out as well. That is awesome. And congratulations on your second anniversary oh, of Modern you. Musicology. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the guests you had for your anniversary show. Yeah. It was really awesome. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. And uh, as always, it's my pleasure, although as much pleasure as you can get from being in the, you know, dark streets of uh, Dark City. That is very true. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. Um, I am uh, pleased to announce that uh, Monsterama uh, will be back next year. Uh, not so much uh, for those people who are into retro films. Uh, this is a retro horror sci-fi fantasy film uh, sort of uh, convention. And it um, and we may talk some noir, too. Uh, but uh, uh, it'll be back next year in August, uh, 9th through the 11th. Um, at the same hotel, the Atlanta Hilton Northeast, and I will be once again returning as the director of the uh, literature and arts and comics uh, track, and I'm very pleased about that. But I'm even more excited because we've announced uh, our first wave of guests. Uh, we are going to have uh, Victoria Vetri, uh, Martine Beswick, uh, Zandor Vorkov, who I'm not as familiar with, to be honest with you, Elizabeth Shepard, Sam Irvin, who a lot of people should know, um, Robert Tinnell, and Clint Howard uh, are all going to be in attendance of uh, Monsterama. And that's just the beginning. We're going to have some more guest announcements as, as it develops, but that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty good list right there. I'm really excited about the, um, the theme this year which is, it's called uh, When Monsterama Ruled the Earth. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope everybody will uh, save space on their calendar to be in Atlanta for that weekend. I know it's close to Dragon Con. I know, but it's sort of like a, you know, uh, sort of a, a, a an appetizer before the main say, dish. It does stuff. It's your... expertise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> very much so. Very, very so, much so. So come have a, a appetizer with uh, with Clint Howard and us uh, for uh, for. That sounds frightening. It does exactly. <laughs> Knowing Would the projects like some... that Clint Howard has worked on, so I definitely think so. Well, the first place I went to was relatively benign. I want to know if he wanted to serve us some Tranya. Wow. <laughs> I'm old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So awesome, kids. Um, my shout out real quick. Judy and I went to go see some live music once again. Last night, mm -hmm. we got to go see the English Beat, which was a ton of fun. And, you know, it's really sad because Dave is the only original member left in the band. And, you know, the rest of the band is, you know, they've been around for over 45 years. And, you know, members have passed away or other members have left and it is so great for to see him keeping the spirit alive and everything and these folks who played with him were no slouches or anything and one the backup singer for him actually is his own daughter so it's actually pretty awesome and it was great to go down memory row and just have fun with it it was just it was an interesting situation and i also think you know folks as i always love to say Go see live music. This is how most artists make their money. This is how they can, you know, they don't make money off of, you know, CDs or, you know, Spotify or any kind of the streaming service. What was it? Weird Al said he had over 80,000 downloads on Spotify and he made like 18 bucks or something like that. When, and, when, Taylor, you know, Swift, when Taylor Swift makes less than five bucks on Spotify, something's out of whack. Exactly. Exactly. So there's some screwed up stuff in that. And you know what? It's just, it's interesting when that type of stuff happens and it's craziness. And so, you know, live music is how they make money. That's how Taylor Swift made her billion dollars pretty much this year. And, you know, it's, you know, these concerts are, are wonderful to see. Judy and I were somehow trying to go out to the uh, sphere in Las Vegas to go see you too. It would have, you know, just, it was just it mostly all sold out before we even, you know, came up with the idea. So, you know, but it's, there's tons of great things to do and lots of great things to see. So definitely go see live music. If you get a chance, I always highly recommend it and it'll always be 
a shout out for me. So it's pretty cool. And always thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. You know, if you want to help support the station, why not go to the RT Public Store? We got really cool ESO Network swag up there. And up until Christmas, everything is 35% off. So if you check it out, you know, this will come out a week and a half before Christmas. It's the deadline's getting really close if you want to try to get it for the holiday gifts. But you know what? You still can do it. And I know they have rushed shipping and they're going to try to get you your order as soon as possible. All you have to do is go to the Patreon uh, link right up on the top of Earth Station One or Earth Station Who or the ESO Network. Definitely check it out. It's definitely worth it. Also, if you want to help support us, please go to our Patreon. We have a wonderful group and, you know, we want to thank our Patreon folks for making it a banner year for us this year. Thank you. Thank you. We do appreciate you patrons and you two out there. Why not for as little as a dollar a month, you two can help support us. And I just found out this week, the tales from Hollywood land podcast is going to be going up on Patreon for us. So they're going to be going up two days early also. So it's pretty cool stuff. And that will be in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> I'll edit that part out. And of course, you know, it's always great to, you know, just help us out that way. Check it out. Patreon.com slash ESO network. You know what, folks? We love hearing from you. Please, as if you want to hear more about noir, or if you want to hear more about any topic, please write us. Feedback at our station one is the best way to get in touch with us. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And we are now up on the YouTube music app as a podcast. So you could also find us that way now. So definitely check it out. If you want, please give us five stars wherever you listen to us. And if you want, and if you made it this far into the audio, like and subscribe, please. As always, like and subscribe. Thank you, as always, for listening. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. And, of course, Nick Frazier and Rob Levy, who had to head out early to go to work. So, But thank you for everyone who's joined us tonight. We do appreciate you more than you ever think. Hope you everyone is having a great holiday season so far. Hug your loved ones and just go and have a great time. And remember, ho, 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 holidays coming, folks. You got to get going. So take it easy. We'll see you soon. Peace. And we are done. Of course,